0: Welcome to Gospel Truth with Andrew Womack, a teaching ministry that focuses on God's unconditional love and grace. Coming to Karis Bible College is like true fulfillment, truly getting teaching that would help myself as well as others. I received a lot. It was awesome. The people here and the instructors are definitely encouraging and edifying, and they just set you up for success. (laughs) And now, here's Andrew.
1: Welcome to our Thursday's broadcast of the Gospel Truth. Today I'm continuing my teaching on prayer. I've entitled this A Better Way to Pray. And I tell you, I have been countering a lot of religious traditions and doctrines of men that have made prayer of none effect. And uh, I encourage you to please get the materials. There is just no way for me to go back and summarize Some of the things I've been saying, they are so radical. They are so different than what we've been taught that if I I even try and say it without giving the full explanation, some people would just think, this is heresy. How dare you do this? As a matter of fact, did you know the publisher that published our book, uh, they had a lot of their friends come out against them when they read just the first part of this book where I countered a lot of these religious traditions. Before I got into what prayer was, I countered what prayer wasn't, and I taught some of these exact same things I've been teaching against intercession, and man, there were people that were friends with this publisher that got upset and said, man, you need to quit publishing this book, and the person told him, says, just read the rest of the book and praise God that they stood with me. But I've actually had people who were friends of mine, people who've been friends for decades that hear me countering some of this about the religious intercession that is taught in the body of Christ today. And I've had people who've been friends with me for 20, 30 years get up and leave the service because they just couldn't tolerate it. And I'm aware that what I'm saying is different than what most people say, but it is certainly according to the Word of God. I've been using scriptures to establish every single thing I say, and I'm just telling you that there are a lot of people today that do not understand the difference between an Old Testament prayer of intercession and a New Testament prayer of intercession. And most, again, this is a broad statement. I know that there will be exceptions to it. Please don't take offense when none is intended. But I'm saying that as a whole, the intercessors today in the body of Christ pattern themselves after the Old Testament methods of intercession that I've already dealt with earlier in this week. I talked about Abraham and about Moses, about David, and how they used to pray and beg God. And they, they start from a position that God is angry that God is upset and that wrath is impending if they don't plead and beg with God. That's exactly the attitude that most New Testament intercessors have, and they shouldn't because Jesus became an effective mediator, intercessor between us and God. He satisfied God's wrath And he is the only mediator today. You are not also a mediator. You are not also someone who is turning God from his fierce wrath. Jesus has done all of that. And the New Testament intercessor just stands and enforces what Jesus has already done. We do not have to plead with him, beg with him to repent and to turn and to not pour out his wrath. And it's amazing how many people do not understand this. You know, I can give you a million examples of this, but over in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, Jesus, when he came, he was in the synagogue in Nazareth, one of his very first appearances there. And he said, the Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. He didn't say the Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon me. You know, I could make a big deal of this. I could spend the whole program on this. I'm just going to mention it and let it go. But this is one of the ways that you can tell if a person is moving in the New Testament revelation of what Jesus did versus the Old Testament revelation in the way that they approach God. People who are living under the law and trying to appease God and trying to earn favor will always say... The Spirit of the Lord is going to come upon me. There is coming a day when the power of God will be manifest. We are going to see this, and it'll all be about someday these things will happen if you will get your act together and do this and this and this. It's all conditional. All of the blessing of God is off in the future, and it's conditional upon you meeting the standards and doing something to obtain these things from God. But Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he hath anointed me. He put all of this stuff in the past tense. And through Jesus, he forever won all of God's favor. Like over in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, it says, he that hath anointed us. And it puts it in the past tense. A true believer in the New Testament is not going to be talking about there is coming a move of God. God is going to do something. You will be healed. No, we will say you were healed by the stripes of Jesus. God's anointing is already upon me. Some of you think, well, what's the difference? Huge difference. There's a huge difference. You know, I go into a lot of churches and I have literally had hundreds and hundreds of churches, take me into a back room right before the service starts. And they get me in there and then they start pleading, Oh, God, anoint Andrew, we ask that you would come upon him. Oh, God, that you would... And they start pleading with God to do things. You know, I try and behave myself and I try not to offend people. And so I usually just don't say anything. But let me just be as blunt as I can be. How dumb is this? You know, sometimes when I've known the person and I've felt the freedom to do it, I'll actually stop and tell a person. I say, hey, why are you asking God to anoint me now? We're five minutes away from the service started, and you don't even have a confidence that I am anointed and that God is going to use me, and you're asking God to anoint me? I said, if you didn't believe I was anointed, why did you even ask me to come in the first place? And they will use, Wow! Well, oh, no, we believe that God's with you and God's in." But we're just asking, see, again, God has already anointed me. God would be unjust to call me to minister. I was an introvert, couldn't look at a person in the face. And I was just overwhelmed. Here I am ministering to millions. There are millions of people watching this program. And I'm doing something that is completely against my natural ability, my natural talents. God would have been unjust to call me to do something that is impossible for me and then expect me to do it in my own power. If God calls you, whatever he calls you also carries the anointing and the power to get it done. When the Lord spoke to uh, Peter in Matthew chapter 14, and Peter said, if it's you, bid me come, he said, come. One word in the English language, four letters, and that word had enough anointing and power in it for him to get out and walk on top of the water. It got, if he tells you to do something, anything God calls you to do, he also equips you to do. And God has already anointed me. And I tell you, it was a huge difference in my life and ministry when I quit begging God to anoint me and begging God to use me. And I finally came to the realization, God called me. He anointed me, and I started drawing by faith on what I believed He had already done instead of asking Him to do something that He hadn't done. When you are asking God to do something, not believing that it's already a done deal, and you're begging for healing, you're begging for anointing, you're begging for mercy or whatever it is, the very approach that you are taking towards this is saying that it, there is a possibility that it might not happen. And so that's doubt. There is an element of doubt. Anytime you're saying, Oh, God, anoint me. Oh, God, use me. Oh, God, heal me. Oh, God, prosper me. Oh, God, do any of these things. You are expressing doubt. It may, not, it may be subtle. You may not realize that, but you are. You are expressing doubt, and you're pleading with God and thinking that somehow or another God is going to respond to you. I'm telling you, that is not the way that it is. Jesus won God's favor and every blessing. It says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, that we are blessed with all spiritual blessings. Anything you could ever want or need, healing, deliverance, prosperity, joy, peace, wisdom, understanding, anything that you will ever need has already been purchased. It's already deposited on the inside of you. It says in John chapter 1, I believe it's verse 16, that of his fullness have all we received and grace for grace or grace upon grace. We already have the fullness of God. You're already healed. 1 Peter 2, 24, by his stripes you were healed. It's a done deal. You don't need to plead and ask God to heal you and plead with God to do it. Again, see, that shows a person who has not moved into the New Covenant and is not standing on what Jesus has done. But you're approaching God the way that an Old Testament saint did, asking and pleading with God to do something. In the New Testament, Jesus has already won the favor of God. We are already blessed with all spiritual blessings. You are already healed. 1 Peter 2, 24, By His stripes we were healed. That means it was done. It's over. You already have this power. You do not need to beg God to do what Jesus has already done. Jesus has already accomplished reconciling us to God. God has already anointed you. And instead of begging him to do something he's already done, what you need to do is by faith just appropriate it. Start confessing and speaking forth. Father, thank you that I am anointed. Thank you that you have blessed me. I struggled for a number of years because I knew that I was inadequate. I was an introvert. I couldn't look at a person in the face, and I struggled, and I begged God. I actually made a commitment to God one time that I would fast at least two weeks before every single time I ministered. You know, that was stupid. Man, that's what, back when I didn't have many places to minister. I now minister usually the the least number of times I minister in a week, is 20, and sometimes I'll go up to 30. I used to do 40, and I've just cut back and disciplined myself. But you know, if I was to be still trying to live by this commitment that, oh God, I'll fast two weeks before every time I get an opportunity to minister, you know what, I'd be dead by now. I couldn't minister 20 times in a week and fast two weeks before each one of those. It was a stupid thing to say, but you know what I was doing? I was thinking that, God, I don't know if you will anoint me. But I will pray. I will, fast, I will do these things, and I hope that makes me worthy, and I hope that's good enough to have you respond to me. But as I've grown in the Lord, I've come to realize that Jesus purchased everything, and God has already anointed me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And now I just appropriate what God has already accomplished through Jesus, and I still pray and I pray about being anointed. When I drove into the uh, office today, I knew I was going to be making these programs. And I, here's the way I prayed. I said, Father, thank you for this opportunity. Thank you for what you've done in my life. To give me a platform where I am going to be impacting millions and millions of people through these programs that I make today. So I thanked him for it. And then I thanked him, Father, thank you that you have anointed me. And today I believe that the anointing that you have in me is going to manifest, that you are going to give me an ability to speak. And see, I'm not asking for it. I'm thanking him that this is what he's done. And I'm just reminding myself and I'm speaking faith instead of my fears. You know, it's been years since I've gone into ministry, and I still have a tendency towards being an introvert. Some of you may not believe that because I believe I've overcome it to a large degree, and I say things and speak the truth. I don't care what people are going to say about it, and some of you just may really struggle that I have problems with that, but every time I get up, I have the temptation. If I was to indulge myself, I could sit here and get... Uh, self-conscious and go to thinking about things, but what I do is start thanking God that he's delivered me from this. The Lord spoke to me way back in the beginning of my ministry out of Jeremiah chapter one, and he said, before I formed you in your mother's womb, before you came forth out of the belly, I sanctified you, I ordained you to be a prophet unto the nations. And Jeremiah responded to that by saying, ah, Lord God, I'm a child, I cannot speak. And the Lord responded immediately and said, say not, I'm a child. For you will go to all the people that I send you to. You will speak. And he went on and prophesied to him. And God appeared to me one night. God spoke those exact scriptures to me. And he told me, don't you ever say I'm a child. Don't you ever magnify your inability and your fear and your timidness and all of these kind of things. And, you know, to the best of my ability, I've been doing that for over 40 years. And and when I came in today, I was just sitting here dealing with my insecurities. Father, thank you that you are going to give me a mouth and wisdom that all my adversaries will not be able to gainsay nor resist. Thank you that your word is in my mouth like fire, and the people would, and it shall devour them. Jeremiah chapter 5, verse 14. And see, I just begin to start speaking forth my faith, not trying to move God, but to move me into agreement with God, just agreeing with what God says. And I'm telling you, this is the way the New Testament intercessor acts. You don't plead with God to do something. God has already done it through Jesus. Whatever it is that you need, if you need healing today, you do not need to beg God to heal you. You don't need to talk about, oh, Father, in the future, I pray that your power would come and do... No, it's already been done. By his stripes you were healed, 1 Peter two twenty four. Jesus has already done it. That healing power lives on the inside of you. And so instead of passively approaching God with an element of doubt, not knowing for sure if it's going to work, what you need to do is stand in what Jesus has already done and say, I've already got it. I'm already healed. It is a done deal. Now, you don't deny that if you're sick, if you have a pain in your body, I'm not talking about denying that that exists and trying to act like you don't have a problem. That's not faith. But what I'm talking about is denying that what you feel or what the doctor says is all there is to it. There is also a spiritual me on the inside, and whatever God's Word says about me is true. It may not have totally manifested, but in the spiritual realm, it's a done deal. And as I stand on what has already been done and quit asking God to do what the Word says He's done, That's standing in faith. That's being an intercessor. And as I speak forth my faith, then the things that are true in the spiritual realm flow through that faith. That becomes a conduit, a pipe through which God's anointing and power flows. And what is already true in my spirit man on the inside of me begins to start manifesting itself in my physical body and comes out. See, this is the way that the New Testament intercessor is supposed to act. Instead of trying to get God to do something he hasn't done, you are coming from a victory. You aren't headed to victory. You are coming from a victory. The cross is behind us. 2,000 years ago, Jesus purchased everything that you will ever need. And so the New Testament person comes and stands in the finished work of Christ. You aren't trying to get Christ to finish His work. He's already done it. It's a done deal. He has already blessed you with all spiritual blessings. And the New Testament intercessor just stands there and says, Thank you, Father, for what Jesus has done. And as you get into praise and worship, and sometimes there will be times that Satan is just fighting you and you have to take your authority. It says in James chapter 4, verse 7 Submit yourselves therefore unto God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. You need to resist, and there are times that you will have to sit there and say, Satan, Jesus has already healed me. I refuse this sickness. I refuse to be sick. I refuse to have this thing in my life. In the name of Jesus, get out of here. Take your sickness with you, and you resist the devil, and he'll flee from you. See, that's different than saying, Oh, God, please release your power. Please resist the devil. See, when you're approaching God that way, you're passive. That's not resistance. The Bible, again, James 4, 7, you have to resist the devil. The word resist means to actively fight against. It is not resisting the devil to say, oh God, please get the devil off of my back. Please break this sickness. Oh God, please spare our nation. Oh God, please send revival. That's not resisting. That's begging. And sad to say... There's a lot of Christians today, a lot of Christian intercessors that are excellent beggars. They just plead and beg with God for things, but they don't understand that Jesus has obtained everything that you're already pleading with God for. And the New Testament intercessor is not a beggar. He's a receiver. He's an enforcer. A person who stands there and says, Thank you, Father, that you've already broken this power. Thank you that you've already supplied all of my need according to your riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Do you know, I am in the process of building a Bible campus, and it's huge. The Lord has increased my vision, and I believe that it is not just two buildings the way that I saw when I started this thing. It's going to be multiple buildings. There's going to be student housing. There's going to be all kinds of things, student activity centers. There's going to be just a million ways to minister to people. And I mean, it is a huge project. There's just, I mean, tens of hundreds of millions of dollars. And did you know that I don't ask God for any money? It has been decades since I've prayed and asked God for money. I mean, there might be some exception, but I can't think of it. It is certainly not normal for me. I don't ask God for any money, and yet I need all of this money to be able to finish what God is telling me to do. How does that work? I don't ever say, Oh, God, please just touch people's lives. Have them send money to do that. I don't pray that way. I'm doing what I believe God told me to do. God is leading me every step of the way. And so I believe that the provision is there. But I know that He uses people. I know that there's things I need to do. I need to let people know what the need is and things like this. But the way I pray about finances, like when I drove by our property today by the sanctuary, I just thank God for what he had already done, and I thanked him. Father, thank you that you are supplying all of the need, that it's already a done deal, and I just call in what has already been provided. I'm not pleading with God and asking God to provide it. God already wants to do it. I'm doing what he's led me to do, and I'm just sitting here enforcing what Jesus has already done, that you're supplying all of my need. And I speak forth scriptures like that. And and thank the Lord that He's touching people's hearts, people who've been touched by this ministry, that they would become a partner with us and stuff. And I'm not pleading with God. I'm just speaking forth my faith of what He's doing. If it was only up to God, every person would be prosperous. Every person would be healed. We do have a part to play, but it is not begging Him to do it. He's already Jesus has forever won over the favor of God Almighty and God loves you and me so much He carries our picture in His wallet. Man, God is for us, not against us. But it's not just up to him. We have to believe to receive. And so that's what I do. I don't beg him to do something. I believe that he's already done it. Thank him for what he's done. Speak forth my faith. Speak forth that all of the people that are necessary are coming forth. And that's the way that I receive this. And it's working. It's working. I encourage you. There is a better way to pray. We're going to be giving you an opportunity to get this book. I encourage you to please take advantage of it. Remember, it's in Spanish, study guide, CDs, DVDs. Our announcer will share all of this information with you, so please listen and then call or write today.
0: Andrew's teaching titled A Better Way to Pray is available in the Better Way to Pray package, which includes two books, a better Way to Pray and the Believer's Authority, as well as your choice of either the CD albums or DVD albums from both teachings. This package has a catalog value of $105, but you can get it today for only $75. If you prefer, the Better Way to Pray resources are available individually as either a book, study guide, CD album, or DVD album made from our daily television broadcast. Each of these valuable resources is available for a gift of any amount. Go to awmi.net to see all the ways you can get these products. The individual topic highlighted on today's broadcast is available as an audio CD for a gift of any amount when you write or call. We encourage everyone to give because there's a blessing in giving. But if you're simply unable to afford it, Andrew and his partners will provide today's teaching free of charge. You can become a Grace Partner or order resources through our website at awmi.net. While there, you can discover more product details and download additional free resources or call our helpline Monday through Friday from 4.30 a.m. to 9.30 p.m. Mountain Time at 719-635-1111.
1: Before you were even formed in your mother's womb, God already had determined a purpose for your life, a God-given purpose. God has a purpose to train you in what you're called to do, and I tell you, Karis Bible College is the place for that. Man, if you want a life change, come to Karis. Come on to Karis! The next two to three years could be the most powerful time of your life. If you sit under the Word for four hours a day, for five days a week, for two or three years, I guarantee you, you are going to have God speak to you and start revealing purpose to you. Every one of you were created for a purpose. Do you know what that purpose is?
0: Kara's third year is equipping an army to go into the seven mountains of influence in every society. In our third year School of Ministry, students will interact and learn from ministers currently serving in the five-fold ministry.
1: Everybody has a calling. Everybody is separated onto something.
0: In our third year School of Business, students will learn from experienced professionals on how to implement and run a successful business. In our third year School of Leadership, students will experience a blend of business and ministry school courses in a flexible night school program. It's an awesome thing to be able to unwrap what God is waiting for us, and be able to be truly equipped to be able to go into the world and not only minister, but to be effective. In our third-year School of Missions, students will hear firsthand from those serving in the mission field. Students will be immersed in another culture and experience missionary life firsthand through a six-week missions experience. In our third year School of World Outreach, students will receive training in the leadership and business management skills necessary to establish and build a sustainable ministry. In our third year School of Practical Government, students will be equipped with a solid foundation to effectively impact the arena of government. In our third year School of Creative Arts, students will develop the skills to succeed in the entertainment industry. In our Third Year School of Worship Arts, students will learn how to lead the body of Christ in genuine worship with character and integrity. In our Third Year School of Media, students will develop the skills to effectively communicate and tell stories through multiple mediums. For more information on our Third Year Schools, go to karisbiblecollege.org slash third year.
1: I'D LIKE TO GIVE YOU A SPECIAL INVITATION TO COME AND TASTE WHAT Keris BIBLE COLLEGE IS GOING TO BE LIKE. WE HAVE Keris DAY ON JULY THE 27TH, AND ANY LOCATION THAT WE HAVE AROUND THE WORLD, YOU CAN GO TO THAT LOCAL LOCATION, AND I'M GOING TO BE TEACHING. WE ALSO ARE GOING TO HAVE MIKE AND Carrie PICKETT, THE HEADS OF WORLD OUTREACH, AND SOME OTHER INSTRUCTORS THERE. WE ARE GOING TO BE TAKING QUESTIONS AND ANSWERS AND INTERACTING WITH YOU, AND YOU WILL GET A REAL TASTE OF WHAT Keris BIBLE COLLEGE IS ALL ABOUT. SO CHECK IT OUT JULY THE 27TH AT A LOCATION NEAR YOU, OUR Keris DAY. JOIN US, YOU'LL NEVER BE THE SAME. I'D LIKE TO ENCOURAGE YOU TO COME TO A VERY SPECIAL CONFERENCE WE'RE HOLDING ON JULY THE 18TH THROUGH THE 20TH AT OUR FACILITY HERE IN WOODLAND PARK, COLORADO. I'M COMBINING MY EFFORTS WITH E.W. JACKSON. AND HE HAS BEEN HAVING A STAND CONFERENCE FOR A NUMBER OF YEARS. THAT STANDS FOR STAYING TRUE TO AMERICA'S NATIONAL DESTINY. AND I TELL YOU, MY HEART AND EW'S ARE JUST JOINED TOGETHER AND WE SAID WE'VE GOT TO DO SOMETHING TO COMBINE THE PEOPLE THAT HE REACHES WITH THE PEOPLE THAT I REACH. THIS IS GOING TO BE A SIGNIFICANT CONFERENCE. WE'VE GOT, UH, E.W. Jackson, of course, speaking, David and Tim Barton, William Federer, Iverson Jackson, Cecil Bly, uh, Alan West, Dr. Melvin Johnson, and our own Richard Harris. It's going to be a powerful time. Remember, it's the 18th through the 20th of July at our facilities here at the Sanctuary in Woodland Park. Join us for the Stand for Truth and Liberty conference.